Good day, my name is Tian Gildenhuis and on this video I would like to discuss an extremely important but also very difficult subject to try and explain, namely that God is a trinity, a triune God. Now this is a subject that has been debated over centuries by millions of Christians. So I'm definitely not the first person speaking about this. I will not be the last person speaking about this. And I can only trust the Lord Jesus Christ through His Holy Spirit and God the Father to lead me in trying to explain this to you in ways that the Holy Spirit has broken open for me according to the Word of God. Because we must learn what the Bible says. There is no other way that we can look at this. But we must understand no human can try to think who God is and what God is and what his characteristics and all his ways of doing things, how they all work. He's God. He gets to make the rules. We will stand before his throne one day, but we must definitely understand one thing. The Trinity of God is a very important subject and we must take note of what the Bible teaches us about this. But my brother and sister, it's all about our Lord Jesus Christ and I really need the leading of the Holy Spirit on this video. So let us pray together first. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you in this day. Thank you, Lord. We know the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. So, Lord, we know you are here where we're busy with this recording and we know you will be there where people will be watching this video. And we pray that you alone will be glorified and exalted, Father. And thank you, Lord, that you give us the authority to say to Satan, we bind your works now. We bind the works of the spirit of religion, of error, of doubt and unbelief. And you will live in the mighty name of Jesus. And you will not steal this message from the ears of the children of God. And you live in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we pray that your Holy Spirit will take me out of the way. That I will not be the one speaking, Lord, but that you will speak in and through me and that your Holy Spirit will reveal the truth of the scriptures regarding this very important subject. And thank you, Father, that we can pray that you will now cover us with the blood of Jesus, that you will set up your angels all around us and that you yourself will be a wall of fire around about us, according to Zechariah 2 verse 5. So that every place where we will be busy with this video will be a safe place. Be glorified, Father. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now in this video, we're going to discuss the following four points. Number one, is the Trinity a man-made forgery? Number two, is Jesus Christ also God or just the anointed one, as some people say? Number three, confirmation of the Trinity in the Old Testament. Number four, and is the Holy Spirit only the spirit part of God, as some people say? And all of you know me now, I always start with this verse in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 13 that says, For we write none other things unto you than what ye read or acknowledge, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. And you will see this verse is even more important than ever before regarding this very important message that we will be discussing on this video. We need to read what the Bible says regarding God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And you will see we will be able to understand what it says just as it is written. Because in Matthew 22 verse 29, Jesus said, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. 
And I always say to people, that is our mistake. That was my mistake for many years of my life. We err because we do not know our scriptures. And why do we not know our scriptures? Because we do not know the author of the scriptures. We are not in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And only when we get and walk into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by receiving Him in our lives, does He, through His Holy Spirit, start to teach us the truth of His Word? And does the Holy Spirit give us a hunger for the Word? And then the author of the Scriptures starts to explain His Scriptures to us. And what happens? We get to know the power of God. The power of God in our personal lives, the power of God in our relationships, in our finances, in our relationships with our children, our colleagues or whatever. But also the power of God in the war that we find ourselves in out there. Because the coming of our Lord Jesus is very close at hand and we need to get to know the power of God also in these end times that we are living in. But we must understand we need to be in a personal relationship with Jesus. Stop being caught in dead religion and I always say it, religion is dead relationship with Jesus Christ is life I also have a video on culture traditions and religion that you can watch if you would like and also a very important one on how do I give my life to Jesus Christ but if you have not yet done that at the end of this video will also be a prayer that you can pray to receive the Lord Jesus in your life but ensure that you do it from your heart with everything in you that you are sincere when you pray this prayer because eternity is waiting for all of us and remember Jesus loves you but he wants you and I to make the decisions according to his word. At number one, let us now discuss the question, is the Trinity a man-made forgery? Always remember, you can't counterfeit a counterfeit product. Nobody will fall for that. But you can make a forgery of a true product. So you can counterfeit a $90 note. Because there isn't a true $90 note. Nobody will accept one from you. But you can make a counterfeit of a $100 note. Because a true $100 note does exist. There are a number of teachings and debates trying to allege that God is not a trinity. But just a counterfeit of the so-called ancient Babylonian gods Nimrod, Semiramis and Tammuz. These three separate persons were worshipped in Babylon and when God confounded the languages at the Tower of Babel, the worship of these three idolatrous gods spread across the world where they just received new names in the new languages. But what does the Bible say? We read in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it is written, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, referring to God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we must firstly understand, even the Trinity of God, it is something that you must have faith about. It all starts with faith. Because Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. So we have to believe it first. Then God starts to show it to us. So without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And today we must also see that he is a trinity. 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And you can only diligently seek God when you are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When you start to study the scriptures through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, then you start to diligently seek God. And when you start to diligently seek him, through his Holy Spirit, he starts to reveal the truths regarding who he is as God in his fullness. For we read in 1 John 5 verse 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. My brother and sister, this is the only verse in the original texts that refers to the fact that God is a triune God, Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. But this verse has been written out of all the modern translations, as I will discuss a little later. Thus, the counterfeit of Nimrod, Semiramis and Tammuz here on earth was definitely not the original product from which the view of a biblical trinity was derived, as some people allege. No, the trinity in heaven was the true product and existed from all eternity. The problem is that most people are now so afraid of the forgery, they throw the true product out the window and don't want to believe that God is without any doubt a trinity or triune God. So they start to believe doctrines like Jesus only, or that Jesus is only God's son, nothing else, or that he was only another prophet, and that the Holy Spirit is only God's spirit part, in a, as we are spirit, soul and body, that the spirit of God is only the spirit part of God, or that he is only a power through which God works and nothing else, etc., etc. So this is what we must understand. There is always a true product and then there is a counterfeit, a forgery. We see it throughout the Bible. Satan counterfeits lots and lots of things in the Bible, in the word of God. He counterfeited the gift of prophecy into divination. He counterfeited the gift of discernment of spirits into the open third eye that people can see into the spirit realm. These are all counterfeits of the true products that we find in the word of God. In the same way, he has counterfeited the trinity of God by bringing in through heathen pagan nations the worship of three people, which initially was Nimrod, Semiramis and Tammuz. There is lots and lots of information on the internet regarding that. You can, do, you can go and do your own research. But the thing is here, the true product was first. The Trinity of God was first in heaven from the beginning of time. And then Satan brought in the forgery from the time of Genesis and further. So the true product is first. The forgery was not first. So it wasn't Nimrod, Semiramis and Tammuz and then the Bible came and said, okay, there's a trinity because they, the Babylonians believed in those three. No, 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 it's the other way around. God is first. God is the creator. God, God comes from all eternity. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of all those that diligently seek him. My brother and sister, are you seeking him diligently yet? The decision is yours. 
at number two, let us now look at the question. Is Jesus Christ also God or just the anointed one, as some people allege? Many people, even some people calling themselves Christian believers, fail to believe that Jesus Christ himself is also God. People are quite willing to accept him as the son of God or as a prophet or a wise teacher or just as the first anointed one in a long line of anointed ones to follow after him. But they refuse to believe that he is also God himself. So let us read for ourselves what the Bible teaches them. Let us stop listening to the opinions of other people, whoever they may be. And even if they are the leaders of the groups we are part of, let us study the word of God for ourselves. How do we know that the word in 1 John 5 verse 7 refers to Jesus? Remember, 1 John 5 verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So how do we know that that word in 1 John 5 verse 7 refers to Jesus? Let us read John 1 verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And I put in there in brackets in heaven, of course. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. But again, how do we know that this word refers to Jesus? Let us proceed. The word in Greek is logos. Specifically with the article in John, the divine expression that is Christ, according to Strong's Hebrew and Greek dictionaries. But also note that verse 3 of John 1 says, All things were made by him by the word of God, not just by it. As some people allege that that word only refers to God's intense purposes and plans, and some other people allege that it refers just to the message of God, that that word is not a person, it was just a message, or just God's plans, purposes, and intents, thereby refusing to accept it actually refers to Jesus himself. Therefore, we know that all things were created by Jesus, because Jesus is that word, as is also confirmed in the following verses. In John 1 verse 10, how do we know it refers to Jesus? Because John 1 verse 10 says, He was in the world. Who was in the world? Jesus came to the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So, starting from John 1 verse 1 to John 1 verse 10, the discussion is all about the same person, about the Word of God. And that Word, He was in the world. So again, that Word is not it was in the world. He, He was in the world. Because Jesus is the Word of God that was from the beginning. He was in the beginning with God and He was God. And to this day, He is God. And the world knew Him not. And then Ephesians 3 verse 9 says very interestingly, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, mysterion in Greek, because it is a mystery. Even the whole discussion regarding the principle of the Trinity is a mystery. We people in our finite minds cannot really even think how God does this and how he works it out in his awesome eternal plan. But he's God. He's in charge. So 
to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, look at the blue part now, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So here we see the word that created all things, according to John 1 verse 10, is Jesus Christ, because God created all things by Jesus Christ. And we write unto you none other things than what ye read or acknowledge. In these verses we see the confirmation of the fact that the word which created all things is Jesus Christ himself. And that same word, Jesus, was with God in the beginning and is also God and is inseparably part of that three who are one. So without any doubt, Jesus Christ himself is also God. He is not just the first Christ or the first anointed one in a long line of Christs following after him, as some people say. And we also read the confirmation of the fact that the word is Jesus in Revelation 19 verse 11 to 14. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean very clearly we all know these verses refer to Jesus Christ returning to earth after the seven years of tribulation so his name is called the word of God so in the beginning was the word that is Jesus and the word Jesus was with God and the word Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were created by him. Further verses confirming that Jesus himself is also God. And you can go and make this study for yourself. Please do not believe me. Take your Bible and remember I only use the King James Version of the Bible and go and study these verses for yourself. And you can read what it says just as it is written. We read in Psalm 45 verse 6 and 7. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Those verses in Psalm 45 refers to Jesus Christ, who is also God. How do we know this? Because the Bible always explains itself. And we see the confirmation of this fact in Hebrews 1 verse 7 to 9. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now look at the next part. But unto the Son he saith, now look at the words. They are exactly the same words as were used in Psalm 45, verse 6 and 7. But unto the Son he saith, this is God now speaking, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So there we see the fact 
that God the Father has anointed Jesus, who is also called God, with the oil of gladness above all his fellows. So no doubt at all that Jesus Christ himself is also God. Stop trying to interpret things that are not written in the Bible. Stop trying to add things into the Bible that are not written in the book of God. Start to read what the Bible says just as it is written and you will come upon truths like these. And Hebrews 1 verse 10 also confirms the fact. Still referring to Jesus, still referring to the Son. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. As we have now already seen in John 1 verse 3, John 1 verse 10, and Ephesians 3 verse 9, that all things were created by the Son, by Jesus Christ, who is also God, who is part of the Trinity of God. Titus 2 verse 11 to 14 Read as follows. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That refers to the grace of God that came to all men through Christ Jesus. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How much clearer do you want to read it, my brother and sister? Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the great God who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So no doubt at all that Jesus is also God. He is part of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 John 5 verse 20, another confirmation. And we know that the Son of God is come, who is that? Jesus. And hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. Who is that? Jesus is true because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. How can you try to interpret this away? Just read what it says, just as it is written. It says, this is the true God and eternal life. Because Jesus is the true God. He is part of the Trinity of God and He is eternal life because when we receive the Lord Jesus in our lives, we receive eternal life with Him. And then another confirmation in 1 Timothy 3 verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Again, the mysterion, the mystery of godliness. Look at the blue part. God was manifest in the flesh. Who? God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Who does that refer to? Only one person, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was manifest in the flesh. Who is Jesus? He is God. 
He is part of the Trinity of God. How much clearer do you want to read that? And how do we know that he was manifest in the flesh? We get the confirmation in 1 John 4, verse 2 and 3, that says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. In other words, that you must confess that Jesus Christ as God came in the flesh. As 1 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, God was manifest in the flesh. So every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. So if you do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ came in the flesh as God, then you are not of God. If you say, no, he just came as the son of man, he was just an ordinary man and all these things, then you must know this is what's working in you. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. And another confirmation we see in the words of Thomas in John 20 verse 28, the evening after Jesus was resurrected when he appeared to Thomas and the other disciples and he said to them, touch me. And he said to Thomas, come put your finger in my hand and all that. Then Thomas answered and said unto him, unto Jesus, my Lord and my God, my brother and sister, stop doubting, stop listening to the opinions of other people. Don't listen to the opinions of people. Start to study your Bible for yourself. See what the Word of God says. Jesus Christ is the Word that was in the beginning with God and that is God that created all things. He is also part of the three who are one in heaven, part of this triune being of the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it is time to get rid of all the doubts and the unbelief and to start to believe the word of God just as it is written. At number three, let us now look at some confirmations of the Trinity in the Old Testament. And there we start in Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, who said God? And actually, if you go and look at Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That word God in the Hebrew is Elohim. But Elohim in the plural sense, referring to the Trinity already even there. And in Genesis 1 verse 26, we then read, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. He does not say, let me make man in my image. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, already referring to the plurality of God, the fact that they are more than one because it is the Trinity, the triune being of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Word or God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit, because we now understand that the word refers to Jesus Christ. So what is the image and likeness of God? Why did God say in our image and our likeness? We see the confirmation in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 in the New Testament. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we as humans are a single person, each one of us, consisting of a spirit, a soul and a body. 
So we as humans are also triune human beings. And God is one single Godhead, one God consisting of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. He is a triune God. So as we consist of three parts, he also consists of three parts. The Godhead, the three are one. So we read in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, uh, one verse that people always want to quote to say, no, but God is not a trinity because Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says the following. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I always say, just remember, when you read the word Lord like that in capital letters in the Old King James Version of the Bible, L-O-R-D, in the Hebrew, it is written yod Hey vav Hey, because our Father's name in Hebrew is Yahweh. So hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our God, our Elohim, is one Yahweh, is one Lord. And they say, you see, he is one Lord. Yeah, but the problem here is that the word one in Hebrew that is used in that verse is Echad. It means properly united. That is one or as an ordinal first, alike, alone, altogether or together. So yes, the Lord, our God, is a united God. He is a united Lord. He is the first. He is the one from the beginning who is a unity, a triune being. Some people say he is a triunity because of this verse. The Lord our God is a triune Lord. He is properly united, the three of them. God is first. He is from the beginning of time. He alone is God and they together are properly united as one Lord. In Isaiah 6 verse 8 and 9 we read when Isaiah appears before the throne of God also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I here am I send me and he said go and tell this people hear ye indeed but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. And then another very important verse in Isaiah 9 verse 6. That also gives us the confirmation regarding the fact that this is a triune being. And that they are part of one whole. Is the prophecy regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus in Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now look at this. And his name, the son's name, the child's name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh wow. So the son is called the Mighty God. The son is called the Everlasting Father. Why? Because the three are one. This is a triune being, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see the confirmation when Jesus speaks in John 10 verse 30 where he said, I and my Father are one. Brother and sister, read what the Bible says just as it is written. And in John 14 verse 8 to 11 we read, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? 
He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? See, this is only possible if they were a trinity. It cannot be if they were not part of the trinity. This cannot be then. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. So Jesus could only use these words if he knew that he was part of the Trinity of God. John 17 verse 21 to 23, Jesus also said when he prayed for his disciples, including you and I who are his disciples today, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, look at this again now, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So again the confirmation that Jesus and the Father are one, and he wants us also to be one in unity, as they as the Godhead are one in unity. And then the instruction that he gave his disciples before he ascended to heaven in Matthew 28 verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Again, the confirmation of the Trinity. Jesus says, when you teach the nations, when you make them disciples, what must you baptize them into? Into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So again, the confirmation of the Trinity that people must be baptized into. But now immediately the argument comes that Matthew 28 verse 19, that part that says baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and the whole 1 John 5 verse 7 that reads, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, were not part of the original texts many believers say or allege, but they were put into the Bible by the Roman Catholic Church they say. My brother and sister, that is not true at all. Those verses are and always were part of the original texts. I have personally done that research years ago for my ebook, Why do Bible versions differ? Which can be downloaded for free at that link that you see on the screen now. And there I discuss how they clouded these verses that were part of the original text with doubt and with footnotes and saying no it was not part of the original text it was only full put in later and all that uh, if you download that free ebook of mine you can see what they did with the bible versions so we must understand jesus christ is also god 
if you read these verses I've quoted for you now, my brother and sister, and you still doubt that Jesus is God, just as it is written in the Bible, you must understand you are listening to the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist wants you to doubt the truth of the fact that Jesus himself is also God, that he is part of the Trinity, and that we see these confirmations even from the Old Testament right through into the New Testament, because Jesus was and he is and he will always be. He was with God, he is with God, he will also always be with God. He was God, he is God, and he will always be God, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, as the Bible says. Number four, and is the Holy Spirit only the Spirit part of God or just a power used by God, as some people allege? Okay, so we now know God the Father and God the Son are one and they are both God. But what about the Holy Spirit? How do we know He is also God? And please take note of the word He. Because so many people try to allege or debate the fact that the Holy Spirit is actually uh, female and they give the Holy Spirit female attributes and female names and all these kind of things. The Bible is very clear in John 16 verse 13 and 14 where Jesus says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, referring to the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. Also the truth regarding the Trinity of God. Only the Holy Spirit can guide you in this truth, my brother and sister. I can just share my limited knowledge with you today, but you must now ask the Holy Spirit to lead you further into all truth regarding this message. For He, again now the Holy Spirit, He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, that means Jesus, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So from these verses we already learn that the Holy Spirit will never put the focus upon himself. So beware many churches where the focus is only upon the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is your best friend and the Holy Spirit this and the Holy Spirit that and all that. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit will not put the focus upon himself. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come and he will glorify Jesus. And that is why so many people miss the fact that the Holy Spirit is also God because he always puts the focus upon Jesus. And so people say, you see, the Holy Spirit is not God. He always refers to Jesus. Yes, he is God. He's part of the triune being of God. And he does what the three of them have planned right from the beginning. Because 1 John 5 verse 7 again, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and we know now very, very clearly that Word is Jesus. So the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So if the Holy Spirit is part of the three that are one and God is God, God the Father is God, God the Son is God, then without any shadow of a doubt, the Holy Spirit is also God. We read in John 4 verse 24, God is a spirit 
And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. So the Holy Spirit is definitely part of the triune being, of the trinity, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then you can also go back to Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And remember I said to you earlier, the word God there in the Hebrew is Elohim, but Elohim is the plural of El. It refers to the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And who did they use specifically to do that? Remember Ephesians 3 verse 9, everything was created by Jesus Christ, who is also God, who is part of the Trinity. And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So Jesus is there, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, they're all there at the, at the beginning, at creation. And God said, so he spoke a word, let there be light, and there was light. So the word created, the word was used to create heaven and earth. God, right from the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they were there with the creation of heaven and earth. And then in Acts 10 verse 38, we read how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Which God was with him? The Holy Spirit. So God was with him in the form of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, just as you and I, who are New Testament disciples who receive the Lord Jesus and who ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are also anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, as we read in 1 John 2, verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. That anointing refers to the Holy Spirit that lives in us as it lived in Jesus of Nazareth when Jesus walked upon the earth. So God was with him. Who was with him? God in the form of the Holy Spirit who lived in him as God in the form of the Holy Spirit lives in us today. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things. Remember that anointing is the Holy Spirit. And John 16 verse 13 and 14 says, when he is come, he will lead you into all truth. But as the same anointing, the Holy Spirit teacheth you of all things and is truth. Who is the way, the truth and the life? Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is also truth. Because Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and God the Father is God. So he is truth and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Abide in the Holy Spirit. Abide in God. Just as Jesus did when he walked upon the earth. So Jesus himself said that he and the Father are one. And that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. Furthermore, we know that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost who was in him. And so God, the Holy Spirit, was with him. That is the third part of the Trinity. God, the Holy Spirit, was with Jesus as he is with us. 
we also see the confirmation of the fact that the Holy Spirit is God in Acts 5, verse 3 and 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So Ananias, why did you allow Satan to fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You are not lying unto men, Ananias. You are lying unto God because the Holy Ghost is also God. No doubt about it. And in Acts 13 verse 2 we read, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So this is God speaking. God, the Holy Spirit, says, Separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul. I want to send them for the work whereunto I, the Holy Ghost, I, the third part of the Trinity, have called them, because I am also God, as the Bible clearly shows us. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. So there we see the three of them. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. The Trinity being with us all. And then 2 Timothy 1 verse 14. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Take note of the fact now that when we receive the Lord Jesus, when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. And the Holy Spirit leads men to do certain things, as we see in 2 Peter 1 verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This now refers to the prophets of old in the Old Testament who wrote down the things in the Old Testament as they were told by the Holy Spirit. And we also see the confirmation of this fact in 1 Peter 1 verse 10 and 11 where Peter says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So again, here we see now, 2 Peter 1 says, The Holy Ghost moved the prophets to write down. In 1 Peter 1, Peter says, the Spirit of Christ let the prophets write down what he told them. So the Spirit of Christ is the Holy Ghost, is God himself, as we have now seen more than once. Then in Romans 8 verse 9 to 11, where it is written, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, are these two different spirits? No. 
The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ, is God. Why? Because God the Father and God the Son are one, and they are one with the Holy Ghost, for these three bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, now take note of this, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So again, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ, is the Holy Spirit, who is also God. He dwells in us. So if Christ is in us, then we know the Holy Spirit is in us. So God is in us. We see the confirmation in Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ lives in me, this verse says. And the Lord also taught me many years ago, that means practically it's a life-size Christ within me. His eyes are in my eyes, his mouth is in my mouth, his ears are in my ears, his hands are in my hands and his feet are in my feet. It's not a little miniature Jesus or a little miniature Christ living in my heart. It's a life-size Christ within me. So what are you letting me smoke, my child? What are you letting me drink, my child? What are you letting me swear, my child? What are you letting me listen to, my child? What are you letting me watch, my child? Because my eyes are in your eyes, my mouth is in your mouth, my ears are in your ears etc etc and then we also see the confirmation in colossians 1 verse 27 that reads to whom god would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles which is christ in you the hope of glory who is in us christ christ in us the hope of glory but who is in us do we read in 1 corinthians 3 verse 16 know ye not that ye are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwelleth in you 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? In other words, my brother and sister, Christ who dwells in me is the Holy Spirit, is God who dwells in me. Because Christ Jesus and the Father is one. These three bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So if Christ liveth in me, then Christ is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. God is the Father. God is the Son. God is the Holy Spirit. They live within me. God in His fullness lives in me. He leads me by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is also God. 1 John 5 verse 6 says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Again, who is truth? The Spirit is truth. But we also see another confirmation in John 17 verse 17, where Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth, 
Thy word is truth. And again now, John 14 verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the Spirit is truth, the Word is truth, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the Spirit is God. Jesus Christ is God. God the Father is God. The Word is Jesus. The Word is truth. The Spirit is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus and the Father are one. Can you see? The Trinity, the triune God is an absolute reality, but it is one Godhead. One God showing himself to us in three different ways over the spectrum of time. Matthew 28 verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Jesus said. But in that moment, he ascended to heaven. But he says, I am with you always. Why? Because he was going to send the Holy Spirit to earth. And remember, they are part of the Trinity. So Jesus, in the form of the Holy Spirit, now lives in me. Christ liveth in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Because he is with me always in the form of the Holy Spirit, who is also God. Thus, Jesus is with us always through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. So we can know that God himself in the fullness of Father, Son and Holy Spirit is with us and in us who are his children even to the end of the world. Thus we can see very clearly from the Bible that God the Father is God and Jesus Christ is God and the Holy Spirit is God. They are truly one and they reveal or manifest themselves to us in three different ways. And furthermore, we know our God is almighty, is omnipotent, meaning he has unlimited power, he is omniscient, meaning he knows everything and is present across time and space. That is the word omnipresent. Now I want to end with a few quotes from this author that I got on the internet. I always acknowledge the research of everybody whose work I use in my research. This author writes the following also regarding the Trinity. Finally, all three persons are associated together on an equal basis in numerous passages. At Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3 verse 13 to 17, voice of the Father, Son baptized, Spirit descending like a dove. Salvation, 1 Peter 1 verse 2, chosen by the Father, sanctified by the Spirit, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. Sanctification, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we looked at earlier. Christian baptism, Matthew 28 verse 19, baptized in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Prayer in Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 21. Strengthened by His Spirit, know the love of Christ, filled with the fullness of God. And then Christian growth. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. Chosen by God, loved by the Lord, meaning the Lord Jesus, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He proceeds to write, The Trinity sets the limits on human speculation about the nature of God. 
There is so much we would like to know about God, but our finite minds cannot comprehend it. We are not free to create God in our own image. So you see, we cannot try to put God in these little boxes we call our little brains. The Trinity sets the limits for human speculation. God is more than the Trinity, but He is not less than that. The Trinity teaches us that God is beyond all human comprehension. After all, if we could explain God, He wouldn't be God. I have no doubt that God is much more than one in essence, three in person. But since I can't even understand those simple phrases, this author says, I don't worry at all about what else might be true about God. If you feel baffled by the Trinity, join the crowd. The greatest minds of history have stood in amazement before a God so great that he cannot be contained by our puny explanations. And my brother and sister, I include my puny explanations on this video. There is no way that I can try to explain the fullness of God to you in, the, in my little way, my little human way with my little puny explain, explanations. I'm just part of the crowd over the ages who is baffled with the awesomeness and the greatness and the might of God and all these things that we will only one day see with our own eyes when we get to be with him. The author proceeds to write, The Trinity exalts the Son and the Spirit. We all know that God the Father is to be worshipped. But what about Jesus Christ? If he is God, should we not also worship him? The answer, of course, is yes. But that truth leads us back to the Trinity. He is not merely the Son of God, but also God the Son. The same thing may be said about the Holy Spirit. He is not just a force, but a divine person. Not an influence or some vague power, but the third person of the Trinity. Let me draw one important inference. Since all three persons of the Trinity are equally God, we may pray to any member of the Trinity. And this is very important because so many people also ask me, Tian, can I pray to Jesus? Can I pray to the Holy Spirit? Yes, you can, because He's also God. Many Christians simply do not feel comfortable praying to the Spirit, even though we often sing songs that are essentially prayers to the Spirit, such as, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart, and Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Surely, if we may sing to the Spirit, we may also pray to Him. If He is God, our prayers may be directed to Him. I do agree that Christian prayers will customarily be made to the Father, for example, the Lord's Prayer. But let us not quibble or imagine that the Father is slighted if we direct our prayers to the Son or to the Spirit, according to the need of the moment. There is no jealousy among the members of the Trinity, nor could there ever be. So God the Father will not be jealous if you pray to Jesus. And Jesus will not be jealous if you pray to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not jealous if you pray to Jesus or to the Father because He is part of the Trinity. They are all God. They are one. The Trinity is a doctrine that all Christians believe, but no one really understands. That much should be clear from this message. If you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. Uh, this author 
in the rest of his article refers to this saying that many people say, if you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. But if you deny the Trinity, you will lose your soul. Why? Because you see, the Trinity is such a great, awesome thing to try and explain that we cannot do it. So don't break your mind over it, but just read what the Bible says and understand what it says. But if you deny the Trinity, you will lose your soul. If you deny the Lord Jesus Christ as God, you will lose your soul. If you deny the Holy Spirit as God, you will lose your soul. So you must remember, we cannot explain the Trinity in its fullness. There is no way with our finite little minds. But if you deny the Trinity, you are playing with eternity. Someone asked Daniel Webster. Now, Daniel Webster was an American politician in the early 1800s who happened to be a fervent Christian. How can a man of your intellect believe in the Trinity? That's why they asked him. And he said, I do not pretend fully to understand the arithmetic of heaven now. He replied, that's a good phrase. The arithmetic of heaven, because we have no clue of God's arithmetic. We have no clue of his powers. We can just wonder and look forward to the day that we will be with him and see these things with our own eyes. The Trinity should cause us to bow in humble adoration before a God who is greater than our minds could ever comprehend. Let us rejoice that we have a triune God who has provided for a Trinitarian salvation. Look at what this author says here. When we were lost in sin, our God acted in every person of His being to save us. The Father gave the Son. The Son offered Himself on the cross and the Holy Spirit brought us to Jesus. We were so lost that it took every member of the Godhead to save us. This is an awesome way to explain it and our salvation and how God put everything into our salvation as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In 1774, a man named Ignaz Franz wrote a hymn of praise to the Trinity. Holy God, we praise your name. Verse 3 may serve as an apt conclusion to this message. Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit, three we name you, while in essence only one, undivided God, we claim you. Then adoring, bend the knee and confess the mystery. Indeed, it is a mystery. And with all the saints, we bend the knee in worship before our great God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So this is the God that we serve, the mystery of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. One Godhead, three who are one. Awesome God. But you see, over the ages, this is the symbol that was used by the Roman Catholic Church. This is the traditional Roman Catholic view of the Trinity, which is not biblical at all. So it, the things are always written in Latin. So Pater referring to Father, Filius referring to the Son, and Spiritus Sanctus referring to the Holy Spirit in the middle, Deus, which means God. So they drew it like this. So they said, okay, Pater est Deus, meaning the Father is God. Filius est Deus, meaning the Son is God. Spiritus Sanctus est Deus, meaning the Holy Spirit is God. But then the legs on the outside part. So Pater non est Filius, meaning the Father is not the Son. And if you read it backward, Filius non est Pater, meaning the Son is not the Father. So the Father 
Pater non est spiritus sanctus, spiritus sanctus non est filius, filius non est spiritus sanctus. So in other words, this view of the Roman Catholic Church says the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father. But I think we've seen enough verses today to show you that's very wrong. Because Jesus said, I and the Father am one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father is in me, I am in the Father. So just those verses shows that this traditional view of the Roman Catholic Church of the Trinity is most definitely wrong. So many people say to me, Tian, but this is such a difficult principle to explain to adults. How can I explain the Trinity to my young children? And let me show you this picture. This is the easiest way to explain the principle of the Trinity to a child. And this is with all due respect. I'm not for one moment trying to degrade the awesomeness of the Trinity. But to explain this to a child, it is one egg. But in that egg, you have the egg white and you have the yolk, the yellow yolk. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's one God. It's one Godhead. Within that Godhead, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it's one egg. We have the shell of the egg. We have the egg white and we have the yellow yolk. The three parts being one egg. So if you want to explain it to your children, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and show them an egg to explain to them how this awesome God shows himself to us. <laughs> and there is no way that we can try to explain it in our finite little minds. And I just want to end with this very well-known video of a song that my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. But I want you to just listen to the words. At some stage they sing one plus one plus one equals one referring to the trinity so it's not one plus one plus one equals three one plus one plus one equals one one godhead with the father the son and the holy spirit let's watch this video quickly my god is so big and so strong and so mighty there's nothing my god cannot do my god is so big and so strong and so mighty there's nothing my god So
Amen. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. What an awesome God we serve. There's no way we can try to explain Him. His ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. But He is a loving God, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who lives within us, and who, is, and who are with us. God in the Trinity, they are with us. God in His fullness is with us, living in us, in you and I have received the Lord Jesus. And they want to be with us always, as the Bible says, to the end of the world. And then even when the world ends, we will walk into eternity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, according to what His Word teaches us. And I pray that you will really make this your own. If you have not yet received the Lord Jesus in your life, at the end of this video now, there will be a prayer that you can pray. Please Receive the Lord Jesus in your heart. Because the Trinity decided that Jesus will be the one that we must believe in. What He did for us at the cross. We must receive it in our own hearts. By faith in the work that He did at the cross. And the moment that I receive it for myself and I'm thankful for His grace in my life. Then I can know. I can ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can start to live according to his paths of righteousness, of sanctification. And then I know eternal life is waiting for me because he teaches me now to become more and more holy because we are on our way to a holy God's throne. What an awesome future to look forward to. And remember, Jesus is not a dead God because he says in Revelation 1, verse 17 and 18, I'm the first and the last. I'm he that liveth and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And all honor and glory goes to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So let us pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we glorify you. We glorify you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, the awesome Godhead, and that we may know that we belong to you, that you loved us first, that you had plans for us right from the beginning of time, Lord, to fellowship with us. And thank you that you deem us worthy to be able to walk the path with you. And I really pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal this message even further to the people who have watched this video. Lord, my puny little explanations can never explain who you are. But thank you that you were willing to use my mouth on this video to just add a few little pieces of the puzzle to people who may not have had these pieces of the puzzle. And I pray that you alone will be exalted and glorified, Lord. And Lord Jesus, thank you that we know your coming is very close at hand. And therefore, Lord, we keep on crying out, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.